The Bible calls believers to give thanks at all times for all things. But are you really expected to be thankful for the pain and problems you experience? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah considers this question in light of God's Word and the understanding that seasons of hardship often yield blessings in abundance. To introduce the conclusion of his message, Living Thanksgiving, here's David. I hope you're having a thankful week and that uh, this week that is devoted to setting aside a whole day for Thanksgiving becomes a catalyst for a life of Thanksgiving in your own heart. Oh, do we have so much to be thankful for. And um, this is a good experience for all of us. I hope you're enjoying it in that way. We are making available during the month of November a very special journal that goes with the Romans 8 series. It's a book that we've created to receive your handwritten copy of the entire book of Romans. That's right. We're encouraging everybody to write the book of Romans out in their own handwriting. And uh, if you get the journal, there's some instructions at the front that help you understand how to do this and what the purpose of it is. You'll love the journal, and uh, from what everybody's been telling me, when you do this, it really makes a difference. It changes everything about your understanding of the Word of God. You know, with everything going on in our lives today and so much noise out there, we really need some special tools to help us slow down, quiet down, and think more carefully about spiritual things. I don't know of anything that does that more wonderfully than this kind of a journal. You have to slow down when you write it out. You have to think about each word. One lady wrote to me this week, and she said, this has made me appreciate Paul like you wouldn't believe. It's a good thing, and it will be good for you, and it will change you, and it will make you more grateful for the Scripture. So, for a gift of any size during the next few days here in the month of November, send your gift, ask for the Romans Journal, and it will be on its way. Well, let's get to the last part of Living Thanksgiving here during Thanksgiving week. We are going to express Thanksgiving while we're in heaven. What we do on this earth as followers of Christ will be perpetuated in heaven when we spend eternity in gratitude to God. Now, when I was in seminary, if we had a big test coming up and we had a lot of stuff to memorize, we would come up with ways to memorize it by getting everything to start with the same letters in a word. And I don't know what you ever call that, but in seminary they call that a budak. So everybody was trying to find budaks for the class. So I'm going to give you a little budak for your Thanksgiving. Here it is. It comes from the 119th Psalm. Seven times a day I praise you. The psalmist said, seven times a day, I will praise you. What does he mean? I don't know what his seven times were. You know, the Jews prayed three times a day. David here says, I'm praying seven times a day. I'm praising you seven times a day. But I kind of sat down and figured it out. Here's what I think it is. You ready for this? Here's your budak for praise. When you get up in the morning, praise and thank him. When you have breakfast, give him praise and give him thanks. When you have your morning coffee break, give him praise and give him thanks. When you have lunch, give him praise and give him thanks. When you break for the afternoon, give him praise and give him thanks. When you sit down for your meal at night, give him thanks and give him praise. And when you pillow your head for the evening, 
Give him praise and give him thanks. All you got to do is remember, these are normal things to remember. When you get up, when you eat breakfast, when you have your morning break, when you eat lunch, when you have your afternoon break, when you eat dinner, when you go to bed at night. Seven times a day, I will praise you. Now let's just suppose that these aren't long prayers, but they are prayers that are filled with gratitude in our heart. You know, sometimes you can start out well, in the day and you have a spirit of gratitude in the morning and between breakfast and your morning break something goes wrong so the morning break is a recalculation of your spirit and you come back and say Lord I want to thank you and your mind is saying yeah but what about that well I want to thank you for who you are and then you go back to work and maybe between the morning break and the afternoon break you survive lunch but something else happens every day there are seven places where we can get back on track with God and give praise and thanksgiving to him. And you think that's something that isn't natural and maybe it's not at first. How many of you know that thanksgiving is a choice and we must be proactive about it? Here's what I'm learning. The more we follow things like this in our lives, the more we check ourselves against a schedule, the more what we do becomes normally a part of every day. And we teach ourselves to be grateful. By the way, seven is God's number of perfection and completion. Seven times a day, we will praise him. Now, that's what the Bible means when it says, I will praise you at all times. What about giving thanks for all things? And we'll just go through this quickly. I've picked out a few things. There are many things in the all things list, but I've just picked out three or four that I think might be helpful. The first one is one of those counterintuitive things that we often deal with as followers of Christ. Here it is, giving thanks for prosperity. Have you ever thanked God for the blessings that he has given you in terms of how he has blessed you financially? You say, well, you don't know very much about my situation if you think I should be praising God for my prosperity. Let me just say again, prosperity is a relative issue, especially when you weigh it against the economic situation in the world. You've probably heard all the stats that have been floating around how most all of the wealth is in the top 1% and all the rest of it's... Well, let me tell you something. Whoever you are, whatever you do, however you happen to be here today, I can't imagine that there's anybody here that doesn't at least measure the blessing of God against the rest of the world and feel totally blessed to be where you are and who you are. But this passage of scripture that I'm going to give you in just a moment is not about all of us being relatively wealthy. It's about those for whom God pours out his blessing in an abundant way and gives them riches. And here's what the text says in 1 Timothy 6, 17. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Now, that's a verse of scripture that we've all heard someone preach on. And mostly we remember the first part of the verse which says, don't be haughty, don't trust in your riches, but trust in the living God, amen, and we put a period there. And when we do, we rob God of one of the blessings he wants to pour out on his people because the rest of the verse says, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Have you ever stopped to think that the things that God has provided for you, if you manage them in his behalf, 
There will always be things left over that you are allowed to use for yourself, and you should learn to enjoy those things. I know some people are so bound up in a wrong attitude about Christianity that they can't enjoy anything. If God blesses them, they discount it, and they worry about it, and they get guilty over it, and they can never have a day of peace and joy in their whole life. Eight times in the book of Ecclesiastes, it says to enjoy life, the life that God has given you. God isn't asking us to be all shriveled up, mean-looking people holding on to a few things while everything else we give away and we don't even have any joy for the things God has done for us. Now, this plays itself out in the Christian walk in this way. Have you ever heard anybody try to explain who's in that groove a gift that God gives them? Maybe out of nowhere, God gives them a car. And if he's so guilty about it, they got a car from the Lord, they're trying to figure some missionary to give it to, which might be the way God wants to use it. But they can't receive the gift. You know, there's a grace in receiving. There's a grace in giving. The grace in receiving for some people is way harder than the grace of giving. When God gives you something, men and women, he may give it to you for a purpose. And that purpose might be to bring joy to your life. And we've got to learn how to do that instead of discounting the gift. Well, you know, it's an older car, not a new one. I'm sure it's got a lot of miles on it. I'm sure they didn't need it anymore. Well, wait a minute. If God gives you something, just say thank you. I'm learning, and I hope you're learning this too. It's not how much money we have that God cares about. It's what we do with what we have. And if we are open-handed with his resources and he manages to do something nice for us that we look at, we shouldn't spend the rest of our life feeling guilty because we got something good. I mean, what kind of craziness is that? We have a good God. And he wants us to richly enjoy all things. Give thanks to God for his blessing in your life, for prosperity. Now, if you got it illegally, that's a different story. Alexander McLaren said, I love this. I never saw this before in my life. He said, seek to cultivate a buoyant, joyous sense, now watch this, of the crowded kindnesses of God. I love that phrase, God's crowded kindnesses. There's so many kindnesses from God, they crowd each other out in our lives. God's crowded kindnesses. Say that with me. God's crowded kindnesses. So thankful for prosperity. Here's the next one, and we'll deal with this quickly. Thankful for people. You say, I have to be thankful for people? Yeah. Here's what I've been learning as I'm getting older, and I don't talk about that very much, but I'm learning that people are far more important than things. You know, sometimes we get caught up in things. We like to have lots of things. We've got to have some things to get along in this world. But I don't know about the rest of you guys. Everything I have always needs fixing. Every time I turn around, I'm fixing something. And the older I get, the less important the things are and the more important the people are. The more important relationships are and family members are and friends are. I feel sorry for people who live their whole life just to get more stuff because ultimately stuff will disappoint you. Sometimes people will too. But stuff has no potential. People have eternity stamped all over them. When you spend your time with people and you're thankful for people, that's where real joy is. I don't want to grow old a lonely, unthankful 
grouchy old man. I want to be fun to be around. And I want to enjoy the people God has put in my life. And once again, Paul is the example of that. When you read Paul's letters, it's so amazing. He says something about people in every letter, and he thanks them. We don't know all that's gone on, but here's a passage I found in 1 Thessalonians where Paul thanks some people, and then he gives us reasons for his gratitude. This is found in 1 Thessalonians 1, 2, and 3, where he's introducing his letter to the church in Thessalonica. Here's what he says. We give thanks to God always, and I often thought this verse, that this makes Paul a North Carolinian. We give thanks to God always for y'all. Right there, that's what it says, for y'all making mention of you in our prayers, remembering, here's why he's thankful, that without ceasing, I remember your work of faith, your labor of love, your patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God our Father. Paul said when he wrote to the Thessalonians, I just want to thank you. I want to express my gratitude to you because your work of faith never stops. You just keep serving the Lord. I want to thank you that you do all of this out of love and that you have patience. Thank you, Thessalonians, for all you're doing for the Lord. Thank you for what you mean to me. And if you read his letters, especially at the beginning and the end of all the letters, you will discover he mentions things like this in almost every letter, and often people are mentioned by name. And some of those people we don't know anything about. You can't find anything out about them except here's what you know. They got on Paul's list. And Paul never forgot to say thank you. Paul needed encouragement, and he got it. But he also developed gratitude toward people. I remember a passage in a book by Dr. Robert Enmans called Gratitude Works. In this book, he was telling a story about a girl by the name of Jessica Utz and her gratitude project, and this is the story. Sometime after her 49th birthday, Jessica, a statistician at the University of California in Irvine, began to compile a list of the 50 most influential people in her life, people who knew her well or had helped her in a significant way. Then, for the next 150 days leading up to her 50th birthday, she decided she would take three days and focus on everybody who was on her list, honoring them for what they had done. If they were still alive, she sent them a card, never an email, a written card, explaining what she was doing and why they were included on her list. If they were deceased, she would just spend three days remembering them. In addition to the friends and relatives she tracked down, her list included teachers and a publisher who hounded her until she wrote her first book, professional colleagues, journal editors, former students. And here's the amazing thing. She wrote to all of these people on her 50 list, and everyone but two wrote her back. When her project was completed, Jessica said she knew that she had made a lot of people smile but she could not possibly equate the impact this project had had on her own heart. She said, it benefited me more than it did any of the recipients. Gratitude is a boomerang blessing. It goes out to others and comes back to bless us ourselves. Most of all, in this list of things that are in the for all things, we should be thankful for the problems and pain that sometimes comes our way. That's a real hard thing for all of us. And we usually can't do it in the midst of it. We can only do it when it's over. 
But let me give you an illustration of how this works. When I first came here, there was something here that we haven't had here for a long time. If I'd ask you to guess, some of you would get it. We don't have any hymn books. I know that's an irritant to some of you, but it's not going to change, so get over it. (laughs) But let me tell you, I've always loved the hymn books for this reason. I was always interested in who wrote the lyric to the hymn and who wrote the music. If we had our hymn books here today, I would have you open them up and I would take you to page after page and up at the top of so many of those hymns would be written these words, Fanny Crosby. Fanny Crosby was a woman who wrote more hymns perhaps than any other person who's ever lived. Let me tell you about her. Fanny Crosby learned that she was sightless when she was a little girl and she had discovered that her blindness was the result of a doctor's foolish mistake. And she spent early in her life on many days wondering what life would be like if she hadn't lost her eyes. Apparently, the hot compresses her physician had employed to cure her eyes infection at six weeks old succeeded in scarring sensitive tissue and it rendered her permanently blind. Yet, Fanny Crosby wrote 8,000 hymns. She wrote enough hymns to fill up 15 hymnals stacked on top of each other. She wrote so many hymns that her publisher started using multiple pen names for her writings because they didn't think anybody would believe that one person could write that many hymns. So they gave her five or six different names that nobody knew about. And she actually had some of her hymns published under pseudonyms that they gave her. At eight years of age, she composed this little verse. Oh, what a happy child I am, although I cannot see. I am resolved that in this world contented I will be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't. So weep or sigh because I'm blind, I cannot and I won't. Imagine being able to say, as Fanny Crosby did, I could not have written thousands of hymns if I had been hindered by the distractions of seeing all the interesting and beautiful objects that would have been presented to my view. As she wrote in her autobiography, it seemed intended by the blessed providence of God that I should be blind all my life, and I thank him for that dispensation. I thank him for my blindness. Now, I know that's extreme, and maybe you might think it's so extreme it's not fair. It just happens to be true. So I don't know what your trouble is or what you're going through. Maybe this is the year when the person nearest and dearest to you has gone on to be with the Lord. And you're saying, how can I be thankful at such a time? Oh, you can be if you determine to be. By the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, you can be thankful to God not only in everything, but for anything. It may not all happen immediately, but you can get to the place where you look back and realize God never makes a mistake. And in the midst of it all, he has been with you, empowering you, and strengthening you. So what is it like to truly be grateful? Lewis Smedes writes in one of his books about what he felt in a hospital at 2 a.m., after he survived a near-death blood clot. This is a paragraph that I treasure. He said, It was then that I learned that gratitude is the best feeling I would ever feel in all of my life. 
It was the ultimate joy of living. It was better than winning the lottery, better than watching your daughter graduate from college, better and deeper than any other feeling. In fact, he said it is perhaps the genesis of all other really good feelings in the human repertoire. I am sure, he said, that nothing in life can ever match the feeling of being fully, totally, completely grateful. And I ask myself, have I ever been fully, totally, completely grateful? I can think of a few times. And I remember the feeling. I remember what that was like. And I pray that God will help us not to live in lieu of our feelings because sometimes gratitude is not accompanied with feeling. But to remember there are times in our life when we think of what God has done for us that we are filled with that kind of gratitude. Let me tell you, and even though I may have said this before, I want to say it again. Gratitude is not a place where you ultimately get and permanently stay. Gratitude is something that will always be sort of in flux in our lives, which means we can never let it become dormant. We have to always be reminded And if we aren't reminded, sometimes God will remind us of what it's like to lose the spirit of gratitude. When you have a little relapse, don't let Satan destroy you over it. If you get into a griping mood and start complaining about stuff, you'll be caught up short. And when you do get caught up short, ask for forgiveness. Get back up on the high road. Start living for the Lord again. If you think you've can finally get there and never have to deal with it again, you're going to be disappointed because you're wrong. Just like when you're filled with the Spirit, you don't stay all the time filled with the Spirit. You have to constantly be asking the Lord to fill you with the Spirit. So you have to be constantly asking the Lord to help you be more and more thankful as you grow. But it becomes a lifelong and worthy project in your life. Because what we cultivate now is what we become later. You look at someone who has reached the end of his way and he is very grouchy or complaining and negative. He didn't become that way because he got old. When he got old, it was revealed what he had become along the way. What you're doing right now, how you're responding right now, is creating the person you will be when you get to the twilight years of your life. Learn to be thankful. Learn to give thanks. Amen. Amen. So um, tomorrow we're going to talk about Psalm 100, a joyful thanksgiving. They call this Old 100, and we'll have a good time with this as we talk about this on Thanksgiving Day and on the day after. We have a few days uh, left, a couple of days left before we get into the Christmas programming, and uh, we're going to take a moment on Monday and Tuesday of next week to examine why it's important to know what you know about the Bible, about God, about spiritual things. You'll want to be aware of that as we move forward to those important messages. Well, before we say our final goodbye, let me just remind you that our Bible sale is coming up this weekend. And if you go to our website, you can see everything that's available. Uh, the different translations, the different sizes, and we have some large print Bibles And uh, during this weekend, every year, we do something very special to make it easy for people to get new Bibles and get Bibles for Christmas presents. Um, We really think that's a great way to 
to love somebody and give them a copy of a study Bible that will help them during the whole year. So go to our website. There you'll find the information. You can interact with our people through the website, and uh, we'll make sure that you get this, the Lord willing, before Christmas. We have a little bit of uh, caution to say that with everything going on in our country, but we're doing this early enough so that we can really work hard to get these products to you before the Christmas celebration. I hope you take advantage of this as you look at your calendar. Don't forget also that during the month of November, we make available our special resource. It's the Romans Written Journal, a book we created to help you handwrite the book of Romans. That's right, in your own handwriting. You will have your own handwritten copy of the book of Romans when you're done. So many people are doing this, and it's such an exciting thing for me to see how God is using it. So be sure and ask for your copy of this beautiful journal when you send your gift to Turning Point today. We'll see you tomorrow. The message you just heard originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church and senior pastor, Dr. David Jeremiah. If Turning Point is making a difference in your life, let us know. Write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of Romans, the written word journal, designed by David to help you know God's word more deeply. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions available in your choice of handsome cover options. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue our Thanksgiving-themed messages on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Have you ever wondered what your legacy will be? The Jeremiah Legacy Society from Turning Point was created for friends of the ministry who feel called to partner with Dr. David Jeremiah to deliver the unchanging Word of God to future generations. We can ensure that the impact we have reaches beyond our days here on earth. Visit our website at davidjeremiahgift.org to learn more about how you can be a part of the Jeremiah Legacy Society. If you've enjoyed today's program with Dr. David Jeremiah, you might be interested in hearing it again at your convenience. Stay connected to Turning Point by visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca or by downloading our free Canadian mobile app. The app can be found by searching for Turning Point Canada on your smart device app store. Create an account and order digital resources from today's program with easy one-click checkout at davidjeremiah.ca. Take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible. Then continue the adventure with monthly audio adventures on airshipgenesis.com. Plus, download the Airship Genesis mobile game where kids will travel back in time to the life of Jesus. Blast off with the young one in your life at airshipgenesis.com. The French philosopher Blaise Pascal is given credit for writing these words to a friend. I have made this letter longer than usual because I lack the time to make it shorter. That seems contradictory, but Pascal knew that it takes extra time to say important things using just the right words. Choosing words carefully is hard work. 
That's why in the Bible, the Apostle James warns us to be slow to speak. And King Solomon wrote that he who restrains his lips is wise. If you have to say or write something to another person today, take the time needed to choose just the right words. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's choice words on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.